0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Blockhash Podcast. We have another great episode for you today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow wherever you are tuning in. Hold tight for just a second as we play a quick advertisement and countdown video while we wait for everyone to
1: join. Thank you and we hope that you enjoy the episode. (laughs) What's up, guys? Welcome
0: back to another episode of BlockHash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 326. Today, we have Matthew Liu, the CSO of Sin Futures, here on the podcast today to chat with us. Matt, how are you doing today, man?
1: Very good. Thank you, Brandon.
0: Yeah, how are you? Doing well. Doing well myself. Thank you for asking. Um, before we get started, we'd love to learn a bit more about yourself as well. Uh, you mentioned before we started that you're in Singapore, you're on your way to Hong Kong. Um, but would also love to know, you know, a bit about your background too. How did you kind of wind up in this space? Uh, so what's your
1: story? Sure. Thanks, Brandon. Um, hi, uh, everyone. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm the CSO at Sim Futures. Um, well, actually um, I, I, I started my career more than 10 years ago as a trader in a bulge bracket bank and then moved around the world to work for a couple of different companies to help manage their FX uh, rates and other rates, risks uh, at the same time as funding. Um, and then uh, when blockchain became uh, a, a hot I would say business sector, um, in, in my previous employer, um, in a fintech company, we started a blockchain business. So I was leading um, the cross-border trade finance business uh, there, uh, but mostly with enterprise blockchain. As the infrastructure. Now, uh, late 2020, early 2021, this is um, this is when I got you know together with Rachel Ejo, you know, the, the other two co-founders, um, and we realized the true power of blockchain lies in decentralized finance, and so we decided to use our past experience and expertise to build on-chain derivatives. Um, hence, uh, we have seen futures. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention: I bought my first Bitcoin in 2013. Nice, um, way back. Yeah, way back. Well, I sold it in 2014. Ah, oh, man, a, made a little. That's fortune. killer. <laughs> <laughs> made a little fortune at that
0: time. Uh, compared to today, I mean, that is very little. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Oh man, you got to be kicking yourself, I, huh? I know. Yeah, I, I've, I've been there. I invested in crypto around that time as well. I'd say 2013 or 2014 for like the very first time. Um, but I didn't hold on to like a whole lot of stuff throughout, you know, I guess the past decade at this point. But man, there's some things I wish I held on to that I had way back then. I, I held on to Ethereum. But that's like the only thing. I had some Bitcoin, had some Litecoin, but
1: God, I wish I had it today. Mm, yeah. I mean, uh, many, many people, you know, around me at that time, we, we mm-hmm. bought Bitcoin. Um, but I think I, I was actually one of the luckiest because the other the couple of guys, either they lost the key, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 or, or the, some of the centralized service providers, the exchanges uh, went, went under. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, that actually underlies the importance of DeFi, right? Well, there wasn't DeFi at that time. Um, but you know it's like if there were then we would all just hold bitcoin yeah uh, or yeah. other like crypto assets to today
0: yeah, yeah DeFi has made it a lot easier um it was really hard to rely on centralized exchanges back then because there weren't a whole lot of them and the ones that were out there weren't all you know that reliable um that's a lot of them don't even exist today like Mt. gox for example and a few others but um, no, DeFi makes it so much easier to to trade and to get access to different kinds of tools within the space. So I can imagine, you know, that's, you know, an area that's been of interest to you for a long time, right? Yes. So tell me about Sin Futures. What are you guys doing with Sin Futures? What's your guys' goal? What's your guys' mission? What
1: do you guys want to accomplish? Um, Sin Futures is, uh, is born... Um, with a mission to democratize the derivatives business on chain so from day one we design the smart contract in a way that is completely permissionless and decentralized um, and you know the the first version of the product um, features futures with maturity so where in the track 5 world you think about the CME futures contracts um, here, You can have on-chain futures uh, for basically anything but so far we stay with mostly um, crypto native on-chain assets uh, rather than off-chain assets um, because we see more value in these native assets and then there are more community support for them as well now um, we use amm um, automated uh, money maker uh, as our market maker Mm -hmm. to to be the liquidity provider following the logics of Uniswap because that's where we saw the beauty of DeFi was, right? So uh, with a very small team, lean operation, um, you can uh, process a very large amount of financial transactions. So uh, when Uniswap built the spot layer, you know we decided to build the futures layer for that. And I I think I mentioned earlier, it's permissionless also in a way where the listing process is permissionless. Um, So long as there is a price feed or there's a spot decks for for the asset on the network, um, anyone in the community, any users can come and list this new asset within 30 seconds with a few clicks. Um, there, there's no like approval process that anyone needs to go through, like any core dev teams, uh, or there like like a DAO voting. No, this this process is complete is completely permissionless. So um, we 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 go. Uh, I, I think we, we've gone like like long long way um, to to push this to a more um, I would say DeFi native state. Um, and, and so, you know, in the later versions like V2, we kind of you know, also upgraded, but without um, like hindering um, the permissionless nature of the protocol.
0: Got it. Can you explain a little bit what an automated market maker is uh, for those that might not be familiar with it? I know it's popular in DeFi these days, um, but maybe a little bit of an overview.
1: Sure. Um, so, well, actually, it's really back. In my first job, I was market making in the international bond markets. Yeah. So I put a bid, I put an offer on behalf of a large bracket bank with a huge balance sheet and a huge supporting team, um, you know, basically um, adding values in, in terms of making the bid offers. And that's also protected by a franchise of the bank that, you know, no other people without a license, could do it. Now, that, of course, has you know a lot of good value in the TradFi world. But when it comes to DeFi world, because there are so many different assets, this huge variety um, and abundance of new assets made it impossible for centralized market makers to do market making in every market for every asset. And therefore, um, you know, back you know, before the DeFi summer, uh, Uniswap invented the first AMM automated market makers. As simple, as beautiful as, uh, you know, just X multiplied by Y equals to a constant K. And that determines the price of the two tokens, X and Y. Now, um, that simple formula, if you see this, uh, is, is a pricing model that basically... Um, uh, you, you write in the protocol in the smart contract, then um, in, in TradFi terms, um, the LPs can uh, you know, lend their balance sheet to this protocol. And the traders, the users can, on the other side, interact with this balance sheet to do spot transactions or futures transactions and at the same time generate the fee, uh, which would feed back to the LP. So... That's basically why it is called automated market maker, because there, there's a formula there, very simple formula, and the pricing are done according to this very simple and beautiful formula. Um, transactions are then matched on, on two sides.
0: Very nice. Good explanation, too. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I know you guys have your V2 coming up as well for Syn Futures. Is that coming up you know, relatively soon? And then what is that going to entail for you guys?
1: Uh, yes, so uh, V2 full launch is expected to come this month. Um, so I mentioned earlier that in V1 uh, we have futures with maturities and we see V1 as a good, um, I would say, f- you know, first f- like first launch uh, or even test product that achieved quite some, you know, milestones. For example, we had cumulative of $18 billion transaction volume for V1 in the last year and a half on four different networks including um, Ethereum, Polygon uh, BNB Chain as well as uh, the Layer 2 Arbitrum Now, V2 is a complete upgrade of V1 on a couple of different aspects Uh, The first one and most obviously to users is the UI Um, We want to make this as simple as possible and as intuitive as possible. Um, when we build the UI, um, our view is to build this for the future users. As we see you know, in the next three to five years, the users of DeFi are going to grow tenfold, hundredfold. Now, these users uh, may not be as decent as some of the core team members are, but they will become the majority of the on-chain world in a couple of years and so we are building towards them yeah we're building for them and the second one uh, is that we um also introduced perpetual futures um in addition to um, the futures with maturities so now for every asset pair um there there are the futures with maturity and there are also um the perpetual futures which is i would say more appealing to uh, smaller users that we saw. Um, the third upgrade, of course, we upgraded the AMM model um, to make to basically make it safer for the LPs in terms of um, you know when, when it comes to uh, market volatility, um, so they they actually have less um, uh, improvement loss. Um, now, so that that's basically the upgrades of V two, and now we are in the process, of course. To migrate some of the users and LPs from V1 to V2, um, so that's expected to complete uh, this month. You know, together with a full launch. Nice, it's exciting, man. So you guys are growing and expanding uh, pretty quickly, huh? Uh, yes. So we're a small team. Uh, we keep building, and we have a um, you know a long list of new products to launch in the next actually couple of years um, to go. Um, Keep building um, in this market. Um, well, yeah, that, that's 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 our idea. Because look, we, we, with our past experience in the tradfi world, um, as well as in fintech and CFI, we realize once we devote ourselves in DeFi, we want to be here, uh, you know, in, in 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 the long term. So, so that's why anything we build, this will not be a like hit and run project or um you know like a six month walk away thing um we want to build one thing and upgrade it and upgrade it sometimes you know kind of revolutionize our own ideas and uh, build the next generation platform uh, for derivatives so yeah um that's good man we're gonna stay you... we're gonna stay <laughs> excellent <laughs>
0: um you also mentioned as one of your products uh something called nft futures as well is how does how does that work? Is that in, involve NFTs and like futures trading in some kind of way, or is this something different?
1: Mm. Um, so NFT futures, or in short, we call it N futures. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's the name. Um, is a, a new product that we launched last month. Um, still in closed alpha, we have just opened the second batch of whitelist users. Now, what this does um, is to make your expression of your like or dislike of NFT um, to be backed with, um, you know, backed with your token. I express your idea and then put, put money behind your idea. Now, and when it comes to like and dislike, we made it um, as simple as using Tinder. You click like or dislike or swipe left and right, um, and that would turn into a trade. on um, Of course, you know through the approval process and everything. Um, but we want to make this as simple and as fun as possible. Um, so yeah, um, we, we well the underlying mechanism um, is uh, is also simple because you know we we have a smart contract. Um, in the crypto future product, um, that basically can 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 trade on um, anything so long as there's a price feed or uh, ERC twenty pools. Um, so then we we start to partner with a couple of NFT fractionalization projects that already have a ERC twenty pool for the fractionalized NFTs. Usually it's a, it's a it's a package of floor uh, NFTs uh from the blue chip projects right so so then we can so again that that's the beauty another beauty of DeFi um in in the Lego mode right so we can like link together and use that ERC20 pool as the underlying to support this futures trading and so this this now is the first and only platform where you can actually trade with real tokens um and then um, two directions long and short um, the nfts with leverage
0: that's interesting that's really fascinating I've never seen that or heard about that before so that's really cool um just make sure I understand the concept so like you can put like let's say a group of select blue chip nfts into like a basket and you can long and short that basket correct
1: Yes. So okay. the, the basket usually, con- uh, you know, consists of the, the, the floor price, like for a, for example, a uh, hundred different punks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually that is tracking the floor price of punk. And then there is a uh, spot, spot decks pool for this liquidity. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, in, 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 on the future layer, then we, we trade that, you know, we trade futures for that. That's really cool. Have you guys, you know, studying that
0: noticed any trends potentially in the NFT market, um, where maybe the floor price has changed significantly up or down in the last you know year or so? You know, as you're building out this product, I mean, it's got to be interesting to kind of track some of those things.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, that, that's a very good point. Um, we we <laughs> we were planning to launch this earlier, mm-hmm. but then there was so much volatility. And that right. in in floor price that we actually saw a good opportunity recently as it cools down a little bit um, to, to start launch, launch this. But of course, it's a dilemma, right? When, when the floor price is moving so fast, this is where the market is pretty hot. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, on the other side, we need to also um, say care for the LPs um, without letting them to, to be subjected to too much volatility and permanent loss.
0: What do you think about the state of the NFT market right now? It's suffered quite a bit in the last year and a half um, with, I think it got overhyped maybe in 2021. And then you know the value and the floor for a lot of different projects kind of fell off a cliff. How do you see you know, NFTs improving and getting better into the future? I like to dub it like NFT 2.0. Um, But like, how do you see NFTs kind of evolving from here?
1: Um, I think there are two underlying factors that will drive um, what you mentioned as NFT Mm -hmm. 2.0. The first one is real use cases, Um, right? So um, um, unlike just a simple JPEG, I think people are developing real use cases for NFTs. Um, some of those, for example, are related to membership. Others have like a deeper community value, um, or even in the future, I think these NFTs can be used for uh, even some off you know offline things. Um, there are certain connections, or redemptions of these NFTs uh, with other valuable things. So there are more use. There will be more use cases in you know in the next. Uh, NFT wave, and the the second driving factor, I believe, is the overall liquidity in the market. Right. So, um, back two years ago, we were wishing that oh, hopefully, crypto can be accepted as a mainstream asset class. I think we've got that already, right? So there was so much institutional money came in, and of course, some of them went out. Now, um, if you look at you know all these assets from Um, you know, an asset spectrum perspective, right? So from on on one side of the spectrum, there are like very safe assets, like fixed income, treasury bonds. Then in the middle, you have the equities. On the right hand, maybe, you know, some like tech stock. And then further right uh, will be crypto assets, right? And if you look deeper in that, the subcategories will be um, like some ERC-20. And then on the, on the on the, on the right, on the most right the right side is NFT. Right? So that's why the second factor will be overall liquidity in the market. Um, once there are more liquidity, naturally more will flow to the right side of that spectrum, and NFT will definitely have um, you know another uh, you know bull market.
0: Yeah, absolutely i think it's around the corner it'll come i think sooner than people realize but yeah there's this need for um more tangible value or value add to an nft other than it just being a jpeg like you mentioned um you know and being able to attach it to something maybe that's real world or virtually um or have some other kind of function and utility uh, appropriated to it but um no it's it's a very fascinating industry and i'm glad you guys are you know, helping kind of evolve what you can do in terms of tracking it, trading it, trading futures, forward. Example. Um, I want to talk about as well because you mentioned you're in Singapore, you're going to Hong Kong. Given all the chaos and the regulations and the crackdown in places like the U.S., for example, there's been a lot of companies start to leave and look for other friendly jurisdictions and cities <clears throat> and countries uh, to continue growing and building, and. Hong Kong recently has become more and more friendly to a lot of these companies, offering them a lot of opportunity to come and to build and to develop and innovate. And I know Singapore has also been like one of those places for a very long time. Uh, Since you're there, since you're going to Hong Kong, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts while you're on the podcast of what these cities kind of feel like if you're in crypto, like how friendly is it? Uh, Do you feel
1: the benefits? Do you feel welcome? Uh. Yes, um, I think yes to both Hong Kong and Singapore, and yes to a lot of the cities uh, in Asia and of course Middle East. Um, you know, um, as my, my experience so far has been um, they're, they're, you know, very positive in terms of not only um, on the policy side, there's some you know, positive news, but also there are many new teams uh, new entrepreneurs, um, you know, start building things. Um, maybe you know they, they start in Hong Kong and they start in in Singapore or, or Dubai. Um, so this um, is this means crypto uh, Web um, three. These are global, right? By by its nature, um, I think you mentioned about some regulatory headwinds. Um, My experience, uh, uh, well, actually, has always been positive. I think when I'm dealing with the regulators, uh, like friends of regulators, Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, last year um, I was um, in DC with the IMF um, to give them sharing session about the benefits of DeFi, why DeFi is better than FTX, um, comparing. Um, you know, tread 5 banking to C5, like FTX, to you know, DeFi, like like Uniswap or, or SIM Futures. Um, and it was pretty well received internationally. Um, and it was, you know, basically the audience was coming from 20 different central banks around the world. Um, it, it was pretty well received, I have to say. A very friendly conversation. Um, and the, these regulator, international regulators were eager to learn more about how the business world think about um, decentralized finance, about these applications um, that potentially can help them to, to, to give directions on, on future policy making. Um, but, but of course, you know, in certain parts of the world, uh, there are a little bit of headwinds recently um, but but I, I do see, in the long run, to fully utilize the power of decentralized finance, right, um, we would need to have um, like 500 million users, um, even a billion users in the whole DeFi world. Today, we're not there yet. Today, MetaMask has an MAU of around I don't know, 20 million, 30 million, um, a lot of you know some people control multiple accounts so i would say only five five million right mm-hmm. so we, we we need to grow um a hundred fold and by that time I'm, I'm i'm very sure there will be very practical solutions um where the regulators and the industry people meet in the middle yeah because look if you ask me hey tomorrow Um, If I can push my uh, project to 500 million people to use it, um, I I can't sleep um, in the middle of the night because I am a little bit scared. Um, Mm -hmm. We're talking about 500 million users, right? But one day we'll be there. So that's why some comfort would also need to come um, from, you know, the regulators who protects the users uh, in their interest, and at the same time guide the industry um, to have a higher standard uh, while we upgrade the products. Um, so, you know, that, that that's my view. I think um, mm-hmm. e- eventually we'll come out of this, you know, period of headwinds and, you know, really come down um, together and meet somewhere in the middle for the benefit of the long-term development of DeFi
0: yeah and it happens in a lot of different other technologies as well when they're innovating you know they're pushing the limits of what they can break what they can do what they can get away what with and then you have these regulators um and agencies that are trying to make sure they comply and they're pushing really hard you know to try and keep up with them at the same time because they're innovating faster than they know what to do about it like that's an everyday problem in blockchain. So many things develop even within DeFi every single day. And I, I talk to so many different people, even on the podcast, and they come on and start talking about all these different things, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, wait, what is that?
1: I've never heard about that before. <laughs> it, it, it's, I feel it, the same thing. I feel the same thing. Even yeah. I cannot catch up. You know, I, I mean, if I, I'd like to catch up, I wouldn't be able to sleep. And even if I don't sleep, I don't think I can.
0: I know. I, I, I can't. Like, I I... Just accept that there's some things I'm not going to know right away, and then I'll figure it out in the future. But man, it's it's crazy to think about how fast this space innovates versus other niches in technology from AI to IoT to the auto industry to robotics, you know, whatever you want to name. Um, they do not innovate as fast as blockchain, which is crazy. And on top of that, you have all these different ecosystems. You have the Ethereum ecosystem, and you have Cardano, and Polkadot, and Hedera, and you name it, and all of them are developing in so many different ways, so there's no way to keep up with that stuff. But it's cool <laughs> at the same time because um, so much is getting done so quickly, so many solutions, so many ideas. Um, it's a very rewarding, I think, industry to be a part of, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. It's,
1: it's fun to, to see all of this. Yes, very exciting journey, and I, I, I truly enjoy this um, steep learning curve even mm-hmm. after a couple of years, still very steep, even steeper. Yep. Um, and, you know, the, this is the, this is some, I would say the best experience I've ever had working, you know, in, in after working in TrackFi, Fintech, um, mm-hmm. CFI, you know, this blockchain and DeFi um, is the way to go. And, and of course, the other beautiful part is people work in a decentralized mode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people work remotely and still can concentrate and uh, work efficiently. So that's the beauty, right? So we don't need to like sit in the office and have a brainstorm session of three hours then come up with um, close to nothing. You know, Um, now it's like efficient calls and then um, decision made, then let's let's move forward. Really like it. And it's also a way to tap into global talent pools where, for example, uh, in seen futures we even have you know team members uh, in in Kenya we have team members in India, in Turkey um, that that actually you know trust each other and work very smoothly with each other um, We haven't seen like them actually in person. Um, but I, I think one day we will. Um, but before that it's a very efficient organization. Um, this is the that's way to really go. cool. That's really cool.
0: Um, it's great that you guys can be global like that and still, you know, collaborate and actually work to get things done. How do you guys work together as a team? Do you guys just use like virtual meeting rooms like Zoom and Google Meets? Or um, do you have like other methods to, to collaborate and work together? It's got to be a little difficult working in so many different time zones and so many different language barriers and, um, you know, getting everyone
1: to the virtual table, essentially. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit on the you know management side, um, we, we we do have the, the communication software, and then we get together uh, periodically, uh, for example, with some of the larger teams, maybe once a week, mm-hmm. uh, making sure things are um, you know, properly allocated to each responsible person. Um, and the best part is, um, I think the team members each takes a lot of good initiatives um, and requires a lot of support from many other team members. So that's um, that, that, that that's the beauty. Again, many people didn't meet each other, um, but, but it, it works out pretty well.
0: Nice, man. Um, where can people go to learn more about SIN Futures if they want to check it out, if they want to start using some of the products you guys have um, and they want to get ready for V2 and the other things you guys are launching, where would you direct them?
1: I would say first thing, uh, you can ch- check our uh, Twitter or website. Um, so it's, uh, Um, and we also have an academy that we have been running for more than two years with a lot of good knowledge about blockchain, about DeFi, um, you know that that's also a, a good area to to get equipped with some knowledge um, before diving into this you know, uh, endless world of everything happening uh, every I could day. Prob- I could probably use it once in a while. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool though. Where is this academy? Is it also accessible from the website or elsewhere?
1: Yes, it is accessible from the website.
0: Cool. What about you? Can people find you on social media or online if they want to connect with you and? And chat
1: or collaborate? Absolutely. Um, so I I have a Twitter account um, that you can find uh, under the Sim Futures account. You know, feel free to DM me, uh, feel free to tag me um, for things. Um, yeah, and then uh, I, I'm usually in in many of the blockchain conferences. <laughs> so yeah, we can also meet up there.
0: Awesome. Um, I'll make sure to put all the links and info and directories down in the description for the episode as well. So anyone that's watching, you can go check out all that stuff. Um, send futures. You can find Matt. You can check out the Academy. You want to learn more about DeFi. It's probably a good place to go. I might check it out myself. Um, but, dude, thank you for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. It's uh, been a really fun conversation. Learned a lot. And uh, thank you for sharing everything you guys are working on.
1: You're welcome, Brendan. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you everyone.